Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Yes, I am Sir Matt of the Bud Knight. And I am Sir Jimmy of House Nuts. And today we have an episode where we're going to be doing a little bit of Q&A. Me and Matt have some questions to bounce back and forth off each other. We're actually also live here on YouTube right now. And we're going to be taking some questions from the chat as well. We thought this would be a really good idea because, you know, I'm a new co-host. And uh, me and Matt have known each other for a long time. I've done a lot of different appearances um, here on the show. But I think it's good to set some baselines. People know what they're dealing with. Who, you know, maybe who some of my favorites are. And uh, people can find out what i'm all about and also matt uh you know i i have questions that i don't know if you've answered so yeah yeah and you can ask us non a song of ice of fire uh questions as well it's just a fun hangout um you know holiday weekends coming up here holiday week you know with thank with thanksgiving mm-hmm. so uh just fun just ab- absolutely fun um i just got a new puppy by the way guys new little dire wolf. yes cheddar a golden retriever um i have not slept this week she's eight weeks old <laughs> uh, it's a lot of fun but uh we're working we're working on some you know game of thrones a song of ice and fire related tricks uh getting there you know first we got to get like sit down which actually she's pretty good at but we're getting it going so yeah just give everyone a second to kind of pile in here got tk in here good evening all looking forward to a good live stream kevin in here let's go kevin also with the first question Uh, well let's just jump right into it let's just dive right in my friend for jimmy rate allison stinky stompers on a scale of one to ten i would give them a 6.9 whoa okay The, the bigger question is what would Laris give him? Like, do you think uh, he was impressed? Was he like, I expected more? I don't more? know. I don't know. <laughs> All I know is, man, Olivia Cook's Instagram is like wild. Uh, really? <laughs> and her like all the pictures that I was like, it's like every time I go on Twitter, it's like Olivia Cook and she's like doing all kinds of modeling stuff. It's like, whoa. Well, I mean, she's uh, she's definitely a beautiful woman. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, great actress. And. I, I we're really lucky to have her as Allison, I think. Um, yeah. Uh, I wonder what Laris would rate. The, well, I mean, what would you give him, Matt? Oh, 10. 10 give him a 10? 10. Yeah. 
All right. So that's that's the realm's feet, that's my friend. The realm's feet. Okay. The realm's uh, pigs. All right. Jessica here. Yeah. Uh, so if you guys are going live, love the podcast. Listen all the way through Game of Thrones and House of the Dragon. Uh, Jimmy, tell Matt why he should read Malazan. I tried it, couldn't get into it, but maybe perhaps someday audiobook. I will. Mm -hmm. Audiobooks. Well, I tried the audiobook, but I was, you know, I was, uh, it was back in my old job when it was like I was kind of busy listening to audiobooks, not as well as my new job. Um, so maybe I can. Uh, what do you guys think of Damon and Rhaenyra's storyline? Do you think they will keep the story true to the book? Um, so I don't really know what how spoilery we want to go um, I, tonight. I think we should I would say keep it relatively spoiler free. Season, yeah, if we could potentially keep it uh, season one spoiler yeah. free. But I mean, I guess I will say I I feel very confident they're going to be pretty accurate to it. Uh, I mean, I, I think they'll be incredibly accurate to it. Yeah, I think that with a lot of the context now around scenes and some of the additional ones like Damon Choke and Rhaenyra in season one, I think that just because of added context, it may seem different, but I do think all the plot points are going to be hit on with some extra ones added in. So I think it'll be a lot of additions. I don't necessarily think there'll be subtractions if that is a good answer for you, um, Ari. But yeah, it, it'll be... Uh, It'll be something to see uh, where it all ends up and and how Rhaenyra's storyline ends up playing out. Uh, I'm very, very excited for one to to see that. Yeah. Okay, Jimmy, we you and I uh, came up with some other some questions we thought would be fun uh, to bounce back and forth. Yes. Uh, and I love let me let me hit you with my first one. So best casting and worst casting in both game of thrones and house house of the, i mean you can pick like so like combined which one do you think is what do you think is the best casting and what do you think is the worst casting oh my god does oh includes this would be game of thrones and house of the dragon you can you know you can choose whichever one wow okay i i just gotta take a second here i'm drinking a little uh game of thrones tully scotch shout out to the Let's riverlands go. we're doing a little tully uh, river run represent. and you could pick you could you could pick like two or three or you could do like i'll do house of dragon and i'll do game however you want to do it doesn't matter to me but oh man i mean so the thing about it is is that game of thrones feels like it has more characters because it has more seasons and a bigger story right um a lot more prominent characters than house of the dragon i mean house of the dragon also has a ton as well um it would be offensive for me not to pick Peter Dinklage yeah. as Tyrion. And and I know that he's not book accurate. I wish he wasn't so damn handsome because I love that Tyrion is like a bit disformed in the books and like really a monster to other people. I, I wish that Peter Dinklage was uglier. I'm sure he would love to hear me say that. But it is really hard to pick against Tyrion. Yeah. Um, even, you know, and also in the book, he's like my favorite character. So even with him not really portraying you know, the character in the book looks wise. I I just think that Tyrion makes that show work on so many levels, whether it's him joking with Braun about Podrick and the girls, right? I mean, it's just he provides a range to that show and a different lens as a POV that that no one else really could. So I, I got to say, I, I just think Peter Dinklage was the best casting. Now, the worst casting. Ooh, that's a tough now, one. Now, just so you know, my, I have a follow. I have my next question. I mean, we'll do yours, but I have another question, which is like adaptations. 
Okay. Because those are those are different. There's okay. a difference between a cast who was who was poorly cast and who's a bad adaptation. So there you oh. go. Okay. Um, there are not many bad castings, in my opinion. So I'm gonna pick Ed Sheeran as a random stand-in in Game of Thrones. Oh. It was a stupid casting, and I didn't like it. <laughs> How about that? It's a cop out. <laughs> okay. Okay. I think that's 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 fair. Um. So can I? Do I get to go? I don't. Yeah. Really, I don't yeah. Really questions. Okay. So for me, best casting. Yeah. I mean, it's really hard to pick against. Peter Dinklage, who in all honesty is probably the best, the best cast. Um, Charles, we have a comment here. Charles Dance as Tywin. That's is a good one. So so good. Like so, it's like it's so I mean, unbelievably. Lena Hetty, Cersei. I mean, there's no bad castings in the Lannister family. No, 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 no. Um, I'm gonna. I I I know who I have as my as my poor casting. So I'm gonna get it pulled up here, but um. Yeah, so best best casting for me, I mean, Sean Bean as Eddard Stark is just so good. Epic. Yeah. <laughs> and Mark Addy as Robert Baratheon. That was gonna be my backup. So he's just it's just so such a perfect role. You know, some of these characters you because you know, like I mean, Kit Harrington is Jon Snow. Like he he grew into the role, but immediately he is the character from the books. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, he, he's just immediately um, Matt Smith as Damon is also like really Matt, good. I mean, for House of the Dragon, I guess I'll go that route since you did Game of Thrones House. Matt Smith to me was the perfect Damon Targaryen in so many in so many ways. He was the perfect cast one. he He's perfect for the role because he has a he has a huge range as an actor. Mm -hmm. He just came off of the crown. <clears throat> so it's like now like. Uh, it, this it works well that goes well with game of thrones and then you have him as this lead for house of the dragon the new show that's got to come in and absolutely take it over so i mean since you did the the true goat which is peter dinklage matt <laughs> matt yeah matt smith what what if we pick um let's i want to stay on this one. Oh, my worst casting let me do that <clears throat> yeah worst what is cast it? worst casting is ed screen uh, who is the first Dario Naharis? I didn't like him. Not even because he was only there for one season. I just didn't. It just, I just didn't like it. Okay. I mean, that's fine. I think that's fair. <clears throat> I picked Ed Sheeran. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. The shows are, the shows are, the shows are, are very well cast. Um, okay. So you, 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 you get a question here. Well, uh, I also just want to point this out that Kev said uh, that we misspelled characters in our upload today. Oh, I'll fix it. <laughs> we are not infallible. Okay. We're not. Infallible. Yeah, I'll, I'll fix it. I'm on this, this week. I'm on like very mixed sleep. Yeah. Uh, and know. Matt's carrying the load over here. So yeah, <laughs> all, all props to him. Um, before I uh, ask you my question though, yes. there is someone uh, on Facebook right now saying Jessica Rose Stoddard says, Sorry, guys, off topic. I never read the books, and I'm going back and doing that. Now, I was reading stuff online. It talks about Jon Snow having a twin. Is that just fan writing, or did the show just deviate from that? I know the show went a ahead of the books, and this has me so confused. That is a theory, um, one that we can definitely cover here on the show if you're interested. I think a lot of people like that theory. There are some pieces of proof. I don't want to say proof, but that kind of lean that way in evidence. So maybe me and Matt, we're going to be doing some theory videos uh, here in a few weeks, and mm -hmm. that might be one that we end up covering. But 
Jessica, you shouldn't be confused. That is not canon. It is just a theory that some fans have come up with. So, yeah. And yeah, one of those is that his twin may be Mira Reed. So that's yes, that is the theory. There's also there's also another there's also other theories out there. There's just an unknown twin we don't know about. Right. I mean, there's maybe, there's a lot. Maybe John Griff. Um, well, it could be. Who well, knows? Yeah, could be. <laughs> so, okay. Um, what you get your your question? All right. So mine's actually going to be pretty basic. Okay. I, I want to get back to basics here. What is your favorite house in A Song of Ice and Fire? Ooh. And if you have a different one from the show, you can do it. You can pick two if you'd like. If you want to do a book specific one and a show specific one, because I have one for each. Yeah. Um, my favorite. It's I get it's hard to say because it, the real for me the the it really comes down to favorite characters, mm -hmm. and so I tend to prefer like those characters more, um, <clears throat> because the history we get so much on the Targaryen side we don't get a lot from these other houses, right. <clears throat> and then of course, well it's not confirmed in the books yet. I mean, ninety nine percent likely that Jon Snow is a Targaryen. That causes me to lean towards House Targaryen as my favorite house. Right. Um, but I have some things that I qualify people as sort of specific things. So I'm a big believer. You know, right now we're on Team Black versus Team Green. Who's in the right? One of my favorite characters is Damon Targaryen, not the one we're reading about right now, the real. Damon the real okay okay there was known as Damon Blackfire because he was legitimized by Aegon the fourth so you could say that I'm kind of a Blackfire supporter too all right all right I, I respect that answer I do um, but yeah and if if it doesn't end up working out that John is a Targaryen in the books then House Stark will probably be my favorite cool I think for me, for the show, I would pick the Lannisters just because they're so well acted. Um, you know, it just they're they're there's literally not a bad Lannister in the bunch. Um, I mean, maybe morally bad. My favorite house from A Song of Ice and Fire, the books, though. House Dane. House yeah. Dane has so many mysteries around it. the Sword of the Morning. Um there's a lot that a lot to love there. And I think they're going to have a big role to play um, when we get the last two books, uh, when or if we get the last two books. So House Dane is actually my favorite house in A Song of Ice and Fire. And yeah. I know uh, Sir Matthew Perry is pumping his fist right now. <laughs> yes. Uh, somebody said, I want that jacket. So, yeah, I actually got this uh, for Christmas like two years ago from my now stepmother in law. And uh, it, she bought me a Game of Thrones bathrobe, House Stark, and I've always, and I never really wear it, mostly because I feel like I, if I wash it once, it's gonna like ruin it. So I, but, <laughs> but I decided I'd bust it out. It's yeah, and cold. For, for those who are only listening on audio, uh, you know, it's this beautiful black robe with a snowy collar with mm -hmm. a Stark wolf head embedded yeah. on the tit, and it yes. is, uh, it is excellent. And then underneath, I'm wearing my White Claws Weights and Protein Shakes t-shirt, which you can buy on the uh, Bend the Knee Tea Public store if you want. Love to see it. I <laughs> love to see it. Okay. Um, all right. So my question, Jimmy. So this one's a little bit different. So character who you thought was better in the books and a character who you thought was better in the show. 
Okay. Okay. Um, now again, this could be House of the Dragon and um, Game of Thrones. <sighs> gosh, there are so very many. <laughs> right. I would say a character that is better in the show would be mm, probably Braun. I think Braun in the show is given a lot more, obviously, um, you know, and, and he's good in the books, but I think in the show, he really came into his own and obviously became a fan favorite. So I'm going to pick that answer. That one, that one's a little easier. Um, when it comes to the books, the character that I like more than the show, can I pick one that's not even in the show? I can't, that's not fair. Um, right. Hmm. Hmm. I would say in the books, I ended up liking Mance Raider a bit more than I did of him in the show. I think that's a pretty safe bet. Uh, not that he was bad in the show, but in the books, playing a way bigger role. Obviously, his fate is much different in the books as well, as least far as we know. So I think that I think that that would be my pick. If I had to pick one that I think is like really good in both, like excellent, is Theo or Theo. Jeez, Theon. Yeah, yeah, Theon's excellent in both. Yeah, I mean it's hard it it's hard to go pick anybody in House of the Dragon because like they're all better in the show and even like yeah. George Martin has said it because you get like more depth and everything. I mean, mm -hmm. Viserys is obviously way better. Yeah, how the... about this? All of the characters are better in House of the Dragon than they are in Fire yes. and Blood because there's actually characterization like that's thought right. Out. So, but that was going to be my pick, and I've said it. On, I've said it on the show before. Is that Mance Raider to me is by far the most underutilized character in the show because he is an enormous deal in the books. Yes, he's mentioned in like the first five chapters, every chapter, yeah, uh, of 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 a, of a of a Game of Thrones, and then obviously I'm still kind of a big believer of the he's Rhaegar theory. You still like it? Could, oh yeah. I, it just I makes used... to me it makes to me it makes so much sense. I'm so I'm just I'm so into that into that theory. Um, and he's just a boss, and he's still alive, and he's a huge, huge, huge deal. His the actor who played him, I thought Great was job. very good as mm -hmm. as Mance Raider. I just wish they would have carried that story forward a little bit. And then yeah, here's here's another one. By far, Euron is way you're on's the biggest one let's be honest yeah. i just forgot I, I kind of forgot uh, i would say mance is equally as big i think you're on i think the uh implications of Euron are so right. much more major towards the ending of the story and what they did in making him like a backwoods bam margera just didn't work at all in the show no and it was very disappointing so i uh, yeah, the Euron one i think it, it would probably take my number one spot you all have to forgive us. We didn't pre-script any of this. This is live questions. This is a, no. We're just live question, yeah, and we yeah just <laughs> just winging it. But yeah, I was my mind. Yeah, so for me, um, yeah, uh, character who was better. If I had, you know, if I really uh, really had to pick, see, I was gonna say, uh, I was gonna go with Mance as my bad one, but then you you stuck. Well, now you can just say you're on and be right. Right, I guess I can I can just say you're on. But yeah, another character. I'll I'll pick a Game of Thrones character who I actually who I thought was better. You know, in all honesty, he's amazing in the books, but I love the Hound. <laughs> I just I okay. love okay. I love the Hound. The chicken scene to me is like is just so funny, so good. <laughs> yeah, you it know is, what? That's it is one. just one of the most epic moments in Game of Thrones. Like it's the moment when I want to show something. Like I remember my mom. Uh, 
when she was like asking about Game of Thrones, I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna show you one scene to and and, and to show you like, and I showed her that scene. She was like, Whoa, you know, I was like, yeah. that was my this is why you should watch Game of Thrones scene. That's awesome. Yeah, the Hound is definitely brought to life by that actor, and then the extra lines that are given to him. I I, I like that. That's a great pick. Yeah, some other ones just off the top of my head. I think um, Cal Drogo is better I, in the show. He was in my head for that. Yeah, just because it's Jason Momoa. You could argue that Robert Baratheon's better in the show than the books too. Definitely, I think Mark Addy, uh, especially like the extra scene with Cersei uh, and all those things, really gave us a little bit more from Robert. Um, we get a lot of Robert from Ned's POV most right in, in her yeah. thoughts, which is good. It's great in the book. But I, I think that the show has the, those few extra scenes like the breastplate stretcher right. and stuff. So you could probably argue that Bobby B is also um, a little bit better in the show, I would say. I, you know, I think you could almost argue now this might tick some people off because of his character arc. OK, but but I I've always loved in game of thrones especially season one where george was like sort of more involved in the first four seasons that we get some extra scenes with jamie lannister and okay. i've always felt like it's like it's it's just made me appreciate his character more and i feel like he comes across as more of that villain than he does in the books because jamie is not very much in the first but he doesn't get a pov until the storm of swords you barely even see him. You just hear about him. He's only in like a handful of scenes. Same thing with Joffrey. In all honesty, Joffrey, way better character in the show. Like it's not anything. It's anything. It's comparable. Yeah, I would I would agree with you about Jamie. If the book of Feast for Crows didn't exist, uh, that book is like the Jamie book. And I, I personally think that Jamie is like one of the best characters in all of the fantasy genre. Like I think right. it actually. Oh, he about, is. Like I I think a Feast for Crows does a lot of service for Jamie and where Jamie kind of, and and I like Jamie in the show, um, but the whole Dune subplot with him and Bron going down there and stuff like that, I felt like what was done in Feast for Crows. Dorn, yeah, yeah. What did I say? Dune. I mean, hey, <laughs> I said Dune. My uh, God, yeah. <laughs> I got Dune on the brain. Um, but yeah, so for me, I think Feast for Crows. Like, I think they're both great, but Feast for Crows is like one of my favorite books because of those Jamie POVs of him going through the Riverlands and being obsessed with did Cersei bang moon boy like did it yes. happen did it happen <laughs> maybe i did a whole video on it i'm gonna do another one uh, uh question from jordan here he says i don't think you guys are taking questions no we are that's it's a q a man ask away guys in the chat but which pov would you be most excited to see in wins or dream has to be a new pov i don't think we're getting any new POVs. we're not getting any new ones according to george he said he is done adding povs um but which POV would we like to see? And would you like to see? Yes. Um, Young Griff. Okay. That'd be my pick. Um, I'm very excited to see the POV of, I think we are going to get it. Um, I think we're going to get a John dead POV. A ghost like, POV. No, uh, I don't even know that we're going to get it as ghost. I think we might get it like it might be ghost, but then it's going to be John like coming back to life POV. I think it's gonna, and I think it's gonna be badass. Undead John. I like it. I like yeah. it. Yeah. Well, not undead. He is dead, but it's like, where is he at? 
is he in like the spirit you know yeah yeah, spirit yeah. World, like whatever yeah i think we're gonna get something like that where it's I feel like, like i have a pretty good insight of what's gonna happen with him um but i won't say it because it spoils another book that's great mm. uh comment here from tk saying t tv joffrey is just so good the actor did so well especially thinking uh he was so young when he did it yeah mm -hmm. just i was absolutely so good i was yeah, watching an interview because, with like, him he was yeah. he's a he's a really nice guy it's weird it's just, i think he, it's nick gleason is his name yeah i think so it's really weird that he played such a diabolical character because he seems like it's just a swell guy <laughs> yeah he hasn't really been in much he was in he's in batman begins and he's in like game of thrones and like that's kind of it and then he, he took a huge break from that he's like now starting to get back into it hmm. um but he talked about like being typecast and stuff like that. but he's a very nice nice guy nice Okay, so, um, I went I went last, so I think it's your turn for a new question. Yes. So if you were buying some real estate and you're and you're, you know, I know you're newly married and I know you got cheddar, mm -hmm. old cheddar biscuits over there, your new dog. So you're looking to buy a plot of land and you're looking at all of Plantos, not just Westeros, but all of Plantos. Where would you take residence? Where would you live in Plantos? Wow, good question. Um good it's a good question because i guess i need to ask some contingent some contingencies okay okay what time period is it i'll tell you what we'll we'll go with <laughs> we'll go with what is current in the books so this is post red wedding westeros okay so post red wedding westeros well that changes a lot okay um well i would future's unclear right right like, i would never sure. yeah i would never want to live in the i mean like high garden in the reach seems like the nicest place i mean everyone talks about how great it is the you know the tyrells are in power they seem like a pretty big house even when we go to the reach in like duncan egg stories it's pretty cool i mean it's, it's just bad. It's, it's pretty cool hanging out there so i'd probably live somewhere in the in the reach on the coast if you live over there you're far enough away from the gray joist where you don't really have to worry about being plundered because you're sort of protected by lannisport um and then hmm. that side of dorn there's not really a whole lot going on so really you're just kind of out there you got all the natural resources i would i think the riverlands is a terrible place to live because that's where all the warring happens <laughs> The North is not a bad place to live in terms of the general history because the Starks are pretty good at holding it at bay, but it's so big that it's kind of hard to hold any ground. I wouldn't want to live anywhere near King's Landing because it's just like there's a lot of chaos and then like lots of people, poor people. You're not, you're not a city boy. Not that city. It's a dirty, <laughs> grungy city. So I'm saying, yeah, probably... Yeah, probably somewhere in the reach. I'm going to Volantis because I'm a degenerate and there's naked people there. <laughs> <laughs> Bravos, Volantis. You know, I'd I'd be a little bit nomadic, but I'd be over in Essos. I'd be uh smoking yeah, pipe Essos. weed, you know, visiting some of these exotic brothels, these type of things. Um, you know, if I'm settling down with the family, you're gonna see me over there in Dorn. You're okay, you're gonna see me in Starfall. Uh, I'm gonna be uh chilling in the desert. I'm gonna have a nice base tan and uh maybe maybe uh settle some land disputes as a hedge knight you know yeah okay i got a, i got a good another question here in the chat follow-up pov question to the one we answered uh, uh a few minutes ago here what do you think of the final what do you think the final chapter of dreams pov will be assuming we get there brand yeah probably 
I think it's begins with Bran. Yeah, series begins with Bran. It'll end with Bran. Yeah, I agree. Uh, some other people said uh, Jordan in the chat saying, "Hey, I want to live in the Erie for sure. That's not a that's not a bad spot." You just gotta watch out those mountain clans. Cagos, right. who knows, man? Unicorns, know bro. <laughs> the North is closest to where I, you know, that's that sort of where I grew up and feel comfy. But so much crazy stuff. There's crazy the whole zombie thing and wildling raiders. Yeah, yeah. The Greyjoys are constantly trying to siege you and being annoying. You don't want to live anywhere near the Boltons, like no. <laughs> so yeah no bear island i don't know the morons seemed like they're kind of poor you never know what you're gonna get hey what's your problem with poor people bro well i mean it's just like well poor people hold on we're not talking about like it's not like today it's not like i'm not i have a problem with like homeless people in like modern america i I think you're a big classist matt but in medieval times yeah you have to be (laughs) i mean you, you have to be you know, you got that robe over there looking all smug. You got this new puppy. Yeah, I mean, come yeah. on. Jeez. All right. Well, here's well, here's another one. Here's a, here's a, here, so here's my next question for you. Um, single dumbest a song of ice and fire theory you've ever read or seen. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, uh, Tyrion is a time traveling Targaryen fetus is easily the dumbest <laughs> shit I've ever heard. You've never heard this. Is no. that he's yeah that he's supposedly like this time traveling fetus? We should cover it. It's ridiculous, and people believe it. I mean, okay, it's, it's a fun to, theory, but it is is total hogwash. Okay, I'm unfamiliar with that one. I'll have to investigate. Oh my, yeah, the time traveling fetus. I don't know who did that. It might have been Preston Jacobs. He does a lot of out there theories, but I remember just reading it and being like, "No, <laughs> we've went There's too far." Yeah. Um, for me, you know, I think the two that sort of come across as like, I don't know, dumb or like there's just, just there's like no way that's a thing is the is Bruce Bolton undead or is Varys a merman? And I think the is Varys a merman one kind of to me is like even more ridiculous. Yeah. Like I think I think it, it like I get the the argument for it, which is like how does he move across like all everything so quickly? And then he has the weird conversation with the priest oh, yeah. who like told him, you know, told him something and what's all that about. But uh, I think it's more likely that Roose Bolton is undead than it is Varys is a merman. Yeah. I, I did a little bit of research in on this back in the day, because I, I do think at least Roos, the Boltons are supposed to be like this, you know, kind of like a uh, Mr. Crowley type character, right. Or maybe Dracula. Uh, so I ended up reading George's fever dream book, which is his vampire novel set in like the late 1800s on, uh, steam, like tugboats down in Louisiana, Mississippi and stuff. Uh, really cool horror book. Um, and I looked at the descriptions of the vampires mm-hmm. compared to Roose Bolton's. And there's a lot of similarities in the way that he describes Roose Bolton to the vampires in his book. So I thought that that was a little bit of at least of a, maybe a hint that Roose Bolton is supposed to give us that little bit of a vampire feel. Yeah. Okay. Uh, question here. Uh, dumbest mistake a character. This is from the chat. Dumbest mistake a character makes in the books where they should know where they should have known better. So not necessarily like a Sansa, you know, moment where she's she's unsure of herself. Oh, Rob. Yeah, probably. 
It's, well, it, it's a big fallout. Is it as dumb as... Is it as dumb as uh, the Viper? Not he just should. finishing <laughs> off the mountain. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty bad. I mean, if you look at Rob's, it literally changed like the entire layout of Westeros, right? Like it it had the bigger fall. But I will say the Viper, it was very Hollywood where it's like, oh my God, I know what's going to happen. Even in the there. books. Yeah, yeah, it's like, uh, I know you're mad, dude, because you just finished the job and then talk smack to his dead corpse. Like, could we do that? That'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Also, Ned not taking Renly's offer. No, see, I don't I don't know about that because that's like Ned's like honor and personality and all that stuff. Well, I mean, like, hindsight's 2020. You know, I'm I'm definitely right. Oh, Quentin is a good one. Quentin yeah. Martell thinking he's the dragon tamer. Uh and George takes yeah, on the fairy tale journey. Yeah. But does that almost fall into like the Sansa moment where he's just like well, Sansa never gets burned by dragons, so I feel like right. his mistake, he gets punished way worse. In the show, it's got to be Vaymond. That's like the dumbest thing I've ever, like the biggest idiot I've ever seen. Yeah, we all knew that he was done as he, he yeah. starts opening his mouth. Uh, another question here from the chat. I have a question just because it's fresh in my mind because we're reading Fire and Blood. Uh, and if you cover this theory, I'll look it up. But what do you think was in Aegon's first letter? Are you talking about whenever uh, Dorn sends him that letter and then he ceases to try to conquer Dorn? No, I wonder if they're thinking maybe you're talking about like the the song, the prophecy of on, Song of Ice and Fire. I want mm. could you could you in the chat could you leave another comment and sort of yeah, and I just clear just clarify that just one. Clarify. I mean, to be honest, uh, yeah, Aegon the Conqueror's letter that doesn't clarify it too much. Um, but it's talking yeah, about the one that he gets sent from Dorn, and he just ceases to attack Dorn anymore. I have no idea what's in that letter, and it's one of the biggest questions in all of the Song of Ice and Fire, right? From Dorn, yeah, from Dorn is is uh, what they're asking. What do you have any idea what it is, Matt? Like, do you have any hunches? No. Do you have any feelings? Um, I, have, I have no idea. My, my uh, I heard some people say that. You know, maybe the dragon was still alive. I've I've seen many many things um, proposed, like, but I have no idea what it what it really could be. Um, I'd love. I'm up to hear some theories. So if you got any theories, right. hit us up. Uh, send us a raven because uh, we would definitely cover that. Yeah. Uh, okay, Jimmy, your next question. Is it my question or your question? Yeah. Oh yeah. Because no, yeah, mine was single dumbest theory. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so we're gonna go back to a pretty basic question here. Who is your favorite non? pov character from the books that doesn't have a pov chapter with their name on it good question um so non pov character in the books wow gotta think about that i mean rob is kind of easy because he's a non pov mm. character I mean, robert brathian doesn't have a pov um I like Benjamin for the little bit we we see him, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. But uh, Tywin, even even book Tywin, I think show Tywin's actually better than book Tywin. But uh, I'd have to say that. Oh, uh, Stannis, easily, or the Hound. Nope, it'd be the Hound technically because he doesn't have a POV. Stan Stannis was my pick. Yeah, 
yeah, Stannis is my pick. I, I think Stannis is one of the more interesting characters that, that we don't get to get into the head of. Rob Stark is obviously a really good one. And George actually has went on record saying that he he regrets not writing a POV from Rob Stark and wishes that he would have. Um, also, how about Peter Baelish? Yeah. Peter Baelish. Like, we forget he's not a POV, you know? Um, so he has to be up there. Many, many, many great characters. Marjorie's another great one. Um Maester Eamon. Maester Eamon. There's tons of history there he could tell us. So plenty to pick from, but I think we're both in agreement that it's Stannis the Manus, the one true king. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that one, so that kind of ties into my next question, which is who are your top three favorite characters in all of A Song of Ice and Fire? Okay. So number one is Tyrion. Number two. And it can be a blend of show, however you want it. You can say like show specific. What are you going to do? I'll go all books because I prefer the books yeah. over the show. So I'm going to pick uh, Tyrion, number two, Jamie, and number three, Daenerys. Actually, okay. I, I really love A Dance with Dragons, especially after this last reread I did last year. Um, just I really, really enjoy that POV. I know some people think it drags, but I love it. So that that, that would be my three. And that's like from the hip if i thought about it a little bit more maybe i would change it up yeah. but th- those are my top three yeah i will say daenerys is a character who especially and i talk about this a lot and and whenever i we talk about whenever we were covering game of thrones is um and george there's actually some very I, i'll look it up and see I, I it was released in some sort of like fantasy i don't know magazine or something uh, as a companion piece at one point in the 90s but um he broke down and you can actually read start to finish Danny as a POV, like just like it's like 10 chapters of a Game of Thrones. And it was released as like this little volume. The problem with I think the reason people don't like her POVs is just because it feels too far away. It's mm-hmm. a long time before her POVs get feel like they're connected to anybody. Like, really, it's not even until like Barris and Selmy shows up that it's like, OK, now I feel like it's somewhat connected like in a game of thrones it's totally off and it just like you're mm-hmm. sort of in this headspace before the world starts opening up um uh, but i think her, she's eat by far one of the best just pov reads because her story's fairly isolated yeah from from everyone else's so i'm totally fine uh yeah didn't having danny in your top threes n- nothing wrong nothing wrong at all with <laughs> with, <laughs> with, with that um for me john is my number one favorite character in both the show and the books my second is D- duncan the tall easily let's go i love the hedge knights books i read those so more good. than i read the main the, the main series it's always my like go back uh yeah they're so go good. So, so freaking good um go back and read and then my third favorite character um, I don't know what it is, but I just find myself more and more. And I think the show adaptation of this character was good, but I feel like the book character is literally like the most likely to be a, a, the biggest game changing character. And I, it's honestly become Sansa over the years. That's I good. feel like I have, I feel like her role in winds and dream of spring is She's dependent really on a lot of other factors. And I think it's probably uh, mm-hmm. George talks about like Cersei was a big block for him, but Sansa is kind of the chess piece that can move. And wherever he decides to go, it literally changes everything. If she, yes, 
because she's not in position to go be where she is in the final few seasons. She is in position to go marry young Griff. She is in permission yeah. to take the Knights of the Vale and march them over. And how, I mean, she can do whatever she wants. So it's so, in, it's so intriguing. And I just feel more and more like I'm just so excited to see like how her role of progressing, like where we leave her is so ex exciting with the, like her beginning to sort of learn the game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. And it feels like she's about to take over now could change if she doesn't, you know, if it doesn't end up being anything big, like her role in the show kind of, Felt like she was really going to lead something, and then it kind of faltered a bit. About that, so did the show. So yeah, uh, we'll we'll see. Sansa also in the books plays a really important role for what George set out to accomplish with the Song of Ice and Fire, which was to subvert a lot of the fantasy genre back in the 90s. And if you when you read Sansa, the big difference between something the show can't do and something the books do do is that she is actually a kind of a meta stand in for the typical fantasy reader and the typical fantasy character. She believes in, uh, you know, knights coming to save her, falling in love, and the good people will win the war, and all of these things. And Sansa has to go through a lot of traumatic events in the book and, and see her family perish. And it is a way of George saying, no, that's not how the story goes. So Sansa is, in a way, uh, a vehicle for George to start subverting those expectations, which is one of the reasons why Song of Ice and Fire is so prominent in the fantasy genre. It's why he's probably the most influential author since Tolkien in, in this genre. So Sansa is extremely important as a POV choice for George. And I think what we're going to see is the transformation of Sansa into taking agency in her own hands and uh, maybe even doing some diabolical stuff. And I think it also kind of speaks to the transformation of the genre as a whole and fantasy readers as a whole, because we expect very different things from fantasy now than we did back in the 80s, 70s, 60s, and 50s. Uh, and, and even before then with some of the myths. So I think Sansa is an excellent vehicle for George to explore these things. And uh, whenever you go back on a reread, I think she has a lot of value there, especially if you're someone who does read a lot of fantasy like I do. Uh, you you can see him playing with the genre's expectations in her in her lens. So, yeah, I was, I was going back to look because I knew I, I was like, as and I a while back did a um, we ranked all the POV chapters and I'd love to actually do it again. Um we're so sort of just ranking the POV characters, but we did it at, with the idea of them as a POV like driver, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and um, because some characters, Sansa, unfortunately, she has some benefits and some things as just specifically as like the POV character. But um, because, but as just a regular character, one of the things I love is really more than just about anybody, Sansa has a very particularly interesting view and how we view her because her pov is you actually don't get as many of them as you really think you do mm -hmm. because you get a lot of her a lot of her story in game of thrones is told through Arya's and ned's point of views but then sometimes when you get hers you get to see the cracks in their armor right and then some then her role kind of shifts in the second book where and the third book when she gets married to Tyrion and you get some of it are Tyrion chapters and some of it is Sansa chapters. And so it's just really interesting to kind of see her character develop 
these different, um, you know, the, through these different lenses and what lenses she provides. Like one of my favorite Sansa chapters is actually, and one of the things I think is honestly peak George writing is the Battle of the Blackwater. And that it's so interesting that it's bouncing around between all these different people. Like you start off with Davos, and then you go to Tyrion, and then you go to Sansa, and you do the sort of back and forth between Tyrion and Sansa. And so we're getting to see the like women hiding and she's with Cersei and, but it's all told through Sansa's point of view. It's so, mm -hmm. inter so interesting. So it's one of the reasons I like her really is, is not even necessarily her character development, but also the lens she provides. And then also when she shows up, you get to see things like viewing Tyrion. Like she is a character who's a driver of Tyrion's sort of, you know, hiding Shay and everything. And yeah should he be marrying her right and so it's just so, it's just such an interesting she's like she's an she's an interesting lens and an interesting like plot mover yeah she's very very important for george to get across everything that he needs to she's in the right place at the right times yeah so it's just yeah. so, so 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 super interesting good great so, question okay. all right jimmy your next question all right so you've settled down with your family uh you're ch you're chilling out and uh you know you come into some money and you say, you know what? I'm going to start a business. What business would you start in Westeros? Easy. Logger. A logger. Easy. Is, is this because you played the Telltale game? game Absolutely. Ironwood, man. Boom. You can make all kinds of money selling that stuff. No, I think it'd be, I think it'd be that or a, a blacksmith. Those are, those are the only problem with being a blacksmith is that you then are sort of put in, you know, you're in this guise where eh, if you're providing weapons for a certain house, that could be bad. But um, I think if you're a, a logger, you're almost even better because then you're providing a resource that everybody needs. It's true. It's true. So, uh, you, you could also be a grave digger. That would probably right. do well in Westeros. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so a logger, you know, a logger or a blacksmith, I think are probably the two best, you know, two best ways to go. You can also make quite a bit of money. You know, who's the um, I, I'm I'm blanking on his name, but the blacksmith and the Duncan Egg story when he's like, oh yeah, Dunk, yeah, Dunk, Dunk's yeah. gotta like, okay, he's well, he, he's bartering with him, right? Yeah. Yeah, blacksmith would be good, and I think he'd be probably safe because there's so few of them. Like we yeah. see, Jen, you know, uh, Gendry gets pat, pat kind of like a pass because he's right. a blacksmith. So you get a little bit of um, privilege when it when it comes to that title. For me, I'd just be a hedge knight. I wouldn't live long, but damn, I would go out in a blaze of fire, just falling yeah. off my horse and breaking my neck. I think it'd be a, a really good time, and you know, uh, maybe maybe settle some disputes, fighting a war, Blackfire Rebellion, that kind of thing, but. Right. Running a brothel would not be a good idea because then you become privy to information and people want to kill you. And you get chlamydia. Yeah. Yeah. That'll kill you. Yeah. Yep. That will. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. <laughs> Jimmy, what is your favorite scene in a Game of Thrones, the show? My favorite scene in all of Game of Thrones. I guess would... we could include we could include House of the Dragon as well. If you if you think that it now eclipses one of your favorite scenes. Honestly, dude, I really love whenever Daenerys and I and I I man, Patty's walk is like so fresh in my mind, but I'm I'm going to pick something else. Whenever um 
Danny burns the slavers. And he's been talking oh, all yeah. this smack. And it turns out that she knew exactly what he was saying. And the dragon burns him. It's a pretty boss moment. Like, I remember watching that with my wife. And uh, she had never seen it. And she was, like, fist pumping. And for me, that, that that's just one of those moments. I mean, obviously, the, there's the Red Wedding. And there's tons of other stuff. But right. that's, like, one of the ones I feel like we don't talk about a ton. And it, it's definitely probably my favorite moment. It's up there. Also, I mean, it's hard to it's hard to pass up Ed or Edard's um, or Ned's beheading because when I watched I it, I was like, "Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, <right>. What?" <laughs> so uh, that that would have to be up there as well. Yeah, for me, it's got to be. Yeah, you know, there, there's there's obviously like little small scenes too, um, mm -hmm. which I'll I'll talk about here in a second. But for me, I would say my my single my single favorite scene has got to be Jon Snow, King in the North. I mean, it's my it's my go to like want to get hype for Game of Thrones, even though it really doesn't end up doing anything. Um, it's still just it's just such an epic scene. Plus, you add in uh, like this, the part that comes before it, which is, mm -hmm. you know, like his parentage and the Tower of Joy. So it's just, it's just this huge scene. And then that score by Raman Jawaldi is just absolutely Ooh. freaking phenomenal. And everyone's standing up and Lady Mormont, right? You know, I can like quote it verbatim. Okay. Yeah. Like, that, I, yeah. I it's, mean, it, it, it's so good. I and mean, then even, it's like, I was to say, even when Robbie gets crowned king of the north, that's a good scene. That's a great yeah. scene. Yeah. It actually plays the same theme, but he, he hadn't like, hadn't, hadn't like made it that much better yet. Yeah. Um. So that is, that is really, really, really good. Another scene, which I don't know why, but it's one of my go to scenes is, and this is like a, not in the book scene um when jamie is talking to ned in like the throne mm. room like and and he's talking about how you know oh man it's a terrible thing i would have you know oh is that what you and then ned stark sort of comes back out of oh is that what you tell yourself at night it's like what <laughs> like kill ned pause pause man whoa it's just <laughs> like set, it's just like such a banger yo everyone hates on the last season and i get it but what about when brienne gets uh knighted Oh, that's a really good, that's a good scene. I go back. I'll tell you what. I go back and I watch the Night King thing a lot. Really? I, yeah, because the music is just so good. And like just the final like shot. I know people are upset it was Arya, but this like just go the cinematography and everything is so good. Yeah, for what it it's, was, um, I, I, I didn't hate that nearly as much as uh, the Internet did. To be yeah. honest, um, I mean, surely I I don't like the fact that it was subverted just to subvert it because like they had said it should have been John, but they wanted to give yeah. Arya something. So I don't love the reasoning behind it. But like as far as like the episode goes and just experiencing it, there's a little right. bit of plot armor that bothers me in that episode. But right. that scene I thought was pretty cool. The visual, too, of Danny walking out in the final episode and like the dragon wings behind her is just badass. I mean, yeah, I know it's like, yeah, I mean, it's whatever. But that picture is freaking sweet. Yeah, I've seen some people then, say it's too, a little too on the nose, but I I, I don't really care. I, th I thought it, I thought at least uh, I, yeah. I thought it looked cool. OK, it looked Tyrion cool. Tyrion's trial and then like yeah. Tywin. Ty, Ty, a scene, another scene I go to a lot is when Tywin is walking up and this is not in the books at all, but it's freaking sweet when Tywin is walking up the throne and he's like telling Joffrey off is so epic <laughs> like, yes. is, it is so good i go back and watch it like all the time 
Uh, all right. Hey, we got a super chat here. So thank you very much for that. Um, do you think Danny will get angry enough at false Aegon stealing her throne to burn Westeros? Um, first off, thank you. That was very generous of you. Thanks for the five spot. And I do not. I, uh, I actually have kind of, I flip flop on this a lot and I'll probably flip flop it on it again, but I currently believe that it is going to look like Danny did something terrible, but I don't believe that she will do it. But I do right. believe that Fagon will be ruling when Danny comes to Westeros in the books. I believe that Fagon will be sitting in the Iron Throne. And I think Cersei will probably be in Casterly Rock. Yeah, I'm much more on the idea of I think Danny is going to somehow align herself with Dorne because I'm a big believer that mm -hmm. believer this whole crackpot theory I've pieced together about the crown. Uh <laughs> like, who knows? Yeah. Um, and I just I think there is going to be something about I about Danny versus potentially young Griff, mm -hmm. right? Or a three-headed monster that is Jon Snow, young Griff, and Danny. Could be wild. Could, could be, be absolutely wild. Could be could be wildfire. Oh my God. <laughs> he did it. He said the thing. He said the thing. <laughs> okay. Um all right. So your your because mine was favorite scene. So what's your question? Uh, that was my last question. I asked you four. I had four prepared. Oh, okay. So that that my final one was your profession, uh, which you, you said logger. I was hoping you'd say, right. you know, alchemist. Um, oh, no. No, logger. Went with the logger. Logger. Yeah, you don't want to be a farmer. Those get burned down. <laughs> um, I did. So my other I did have one final question. It kind of right, goes with this. It. What is least favorite scene in in Game of Thrones or House of the, you know, or House of the Dragon? I mean, my least favorite scene is, is Ed Sheeran. Is, <laughs> my my least favorite scene is the entirety of episode four of season eight. Yeah, but if so I had to pick bad. something else, it would be uh, going on a scavenging hunt for a White Walker to bring back to Cersei in the Dragon Pit. I thought that was just really terrible. Yeah. I think that 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 is actually just as bad as anything that was awful in season eight. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? <sighs> There's this, um, you know, I I kind of thought about this. It's not that it's not good and perhaps arguably like the most important scene, but I just can't watch it. I skip over it now. When I whenever I go back and watch anything, I can't watch the Red Wedding. I just can't do it. Really? Dude, I just can't. I just oh, it's just so. so but you're not saying it's, it's the worst from like an execution standpoint. You're just saying you no, can't no, 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 no. Yeah, from an execution standpoint, honestly is for me I, as much as i don't like that that episode of season eight because i can sort of view the back half of season eight as not good um for me where i really what i didn't like is baelish's death because that to me was like the first like uh oh yeah they don't know what's going on here yeah because i i dislike that more that because like for me like because we were covering the final the final season and it was like obviously the pot our podcast numbers literally were exploding it was like a whirlwind um so and i i loved the first three episodes i was like who knows how this is gonna happen what's gonna happen um but it was like season seven whatever i don't know honestly like all the stuff with sansa and Arya to be honest in season seven but baelish's death specifically I was like, oh, this is wrong. 
they forgot. <laughs> like this, I felt like they forgot what to do with him. Yeah, yeah it's just like they just didn't know what to do with him. And then it was just like all that build up. I totally thought he and Varys were going to go blow for blow at the end. Mm-hmm. And it just felt like they're just killing him off to get rid of him. Yeah, that's what yeah. it felt like. Yeah didn't didn't like didn't like it at all because i was fi- i'm fine if it's like if they, it was like a creative choice that i didn't like you know but this felt like not like we're we're pushing through with this and this is what we believe like Arya killing the night king is like hey this is the story we want to tell okay that felt like we don't know what to do yeah um another one that comes to mind and someone mentioned in chat is Tyrion arguing for brand to be king i thought that yeah. entire scene was really bad for multiple reasons uh the first half of the last episode i know everyone like hates what happens with danny and john but like from like just the execution of it like i enjoy i, I enjoyed what i was watching maybe i didn't shouldn't say enjoy but like I, I was digging it right like i was watching i was like well okay damn like this is rough right uh, but whenever they start doing this like council thing where they're trying to explain why the king and then like just the justification for like why Tyrion even gets to talk as a prisoner. Right. And then they're like, well, the North needs to be independent because we were independent for a thousand years. Like, well, what about Dorne? Right. Unbent and unbroken. You know what I mean? Like it just it kind of just rubbed me the wrong yeah. way. Um, and that you know, for me is the biggest thing in season eight that I, I think, you I know, another watch. another thing which was totally kind of a waste. I mean, total waste. Was like, and I get it gets overlooked a lot. Um, but man, they had built Grey Worm up to be this like awesome yes. character, and then he's just like, "Well, bye." <laughs> what? Like, like at least Mira so reads. At least Brand being like, "Okay, we're gonna play the airplane game." What's that? You're gonna, you know, like get on. <laughs> you're gonna take off. You know, take off. You know, it's and so it, it's just like him being like, "All right, see ya." Like, uh, thanks. At least that sort of had some sense to it because it was like he's like a weird like almost a robot now but yeah gray worm man he had been so important he'd seen Sandy's death like i thought it was gonna be this huge epic thing and then just like okay see ya yeah Yeah, rough yeah so rough it's almost like they needed more time that that dave didn't want but the good news is is that we have plenty of time for House of the Dragon. And House of the oh, Dragon man. is revitalizing our spirits and making us feel great. And, um, you know, there's some progress even on Winds of Winter. By God. Yeah. By God. Um, what do you think? Uh, what do you think we see first, winds or snow? Winds. Really? Winds. Because TV shows take so long to come together and then to shoot. And I think it's also going to be uh, dependent on if it's true that Warner Brothers lost like two billion dollars in 2021. There's a rumor. Oh, they that did. They, yeah, that's not good. No, they did. That's not good. Um, it's not actually. It's not as bad as people think. So, like, part of the deal and is, you know, because they they took on an insane amount of debt that they acquired from AT and T when Discovery merged slash bought Warner Brothers. They didn't. It, they streaming is down across the board. They're 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 fine, but yeah, there are there are people overblowing it. Say so they don't even have money to make like the Batman two. Well, that's that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. It, like yeah. I, that's that, that's ridiculous. They've green they've greenlit a ton of things that and actually all the stuff where they were saying hey we're gonna be like we're gonna be canceling all kinds of stuff. They've actually been much better. They just they just hired James Gunn to be the head of DC and all of the other the, the thing that too about it is 
all of the problems at Warner Brothers are literally everywhere but HBO. That is true. HBO is very strong. Yeah. They're like, they're making moves across the board everywhere else. The only thing they did was they came out, the, the, they said, look, we're going to look, we got to like shut down Cartoon Network. Animation's costing too much money. We like can't be making Batgirl movies that are, that aren't going to do well, that are testing with like 40s and the thing. You know what I mean? Like all of those other problems are like Harry Potter is an absolute mess. They literally came in and they're like, HBO, you do whatever the hell you want. We got to fix everything else. Yeah, so, I mean, House of the Dragon was a bona fide success. So massive, I'm, massive success. Yeah. So even with all the green lights and everything, I still think it takes time to get those scripts written, uh, to go into the editing process of, of the scripts, and then to shoot, and then go into that editing process. Um, and it also depends on who they want to use. You know, if it's just Miguel, then he's probably going to be available. But if they also want Ryan Condell to be there as uh, somebody to support the show, maybe they wait till a little later in House of the Dragon. Um, I hope that it doesn't come out while house of the dragons on i actually would no i'm a pretty I, i'm a pretty big supporter of doing one show at a time and not having a bunch of stuff on at once because we're seeing it with marvel and star wars like people do get overburdened with with right. too many shows at once uh like andor has been great but the viewership's not what it could have been maybe if they had kind of divvied up the time so yeah. i just um there i, I will say uh disney is doing something very interesting with andor which can't really do with game of thrones although they did do they did try i mean they put they put the first episode of house of the dragon on youtube is uh disney is going to be releasing andor the first two episodes they just announced on fx because they now own fox mm -hmm. uh so like on cable which is kind of interesting i mean you know fx isn't like part of your hbo tier package but don't know. I if it ends up doing well, we could see an enormous shift in the streaming services now saying, hey, we would be willing to put something on TV. Of course, Warner Brothers ha is kind of the unfortunate one in the uh, in the bunch and that they don't have your sort of direct uh, antenna channel because right. like CBS, ABC, NBC. Fox, which DBC, they, they also own, right? Well, Fox actually is still their own. They still own that. But so Warner Brothers doesn't own that. So they usually can license their shows out to all these other people. But I would be, I would not be surprised if we don't get in the near future a breaking bad level Game of Thrones show that could be on regular like cable or satellite. That would be very interesting. I could, I, I'd be down if like Dunkin' Egg in theory could be like an A and E type show, right? Yeah, it, it could be, it could definitely be uh, less graphic. And I don't think it'll be as sexual in nature, which is going to be the big one. Um, I would prefer it all just to stay on HBO myself, but right. that, that's just me. I'm an HBO snob. Well, I am too, but the times are a changing. The times, the times are, the times are, are certainly a changing. Uh, some more questions here from the audience. TK, here's a random question. Is it true? John is a Turk. If it is true, John is a Targaryen. Do you think he will bond one of Danny's dragons? Like he did kind of, he kind of did in the show. If so, which one? Yeah, I could see it being Rhaegal. I could see that. I could see um I could see him getting a dragon and bonding it. It, it seems it seems like a very fitting thing to happen with John. 
Um, I don't, I don't know exactly how that's going to pan out though. I, the whole night King getting Viserion thing. I don't think it's going to happen. I no. do believe, I still do believe there will be a night King like person in the books. That is like the leader of the White Walkers, whether that's like just some sort of general or it's like Euron being the one controlling them, perhaps like the horn or whatever. But I do still believe in the whole idea of like an ice dragon, mm. whether it's in the wall or we know we've seen them right off in the distance. Who knows? Yeah. What, uh, whatever. So I do. I do. I do think that. But I do think John will ride a da- dragon. Definitely. Uh, another question here from the chat. Do you guys think the general reading population will be disappointed when John doesn't end up being king? I see the possibility of that as basically zero against uh, the point, I think, of George writing. Well, well, we know Bran's going to be king because um, that was one of the points that he gave Dan and Dave. So, uh, I mean, he could change it. So there's there's still room for speculation, but I think Bran will be king. Um, and anyone who thinks John's going to be king is probably going to be sorely disappointed. I think. Yeah, I I don't think. Um, I think it's more just in line of the idea of perhaps if if John is more in touch or down to be like Rhaegar's son, right? Because I think it's just more likely that John and Danny team up in the books than John and Danny go head to head in the books. Yeah. I would agree. I, I think Danny's plot line is definitely going to tie more into the White Walkers. And instead of just being like, hey, we need to convince her to fight for us, I think that she will likely take on that mission as, as like Azora High, probably. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know. We'll see. I've still always been a big believer in that. I think what's going to happen with Danny is she's going to come over and have to save Westeros and she'll be and she'll die doing so. I can and then. That. Rather than being sort of like a tyrant like she was in the books, yeah, she comes over. She never claims the Iron Throne, but she's the one who actually sort of like saves everyone from the White Walkers. She yep. dies in doing so, and then her whole life was this journey to come reclaim Westeros, and she did from the White Walkers. Yeah, not not necessarily to come over and be queen. Yeah, and it's also interesting to think about how that plays with Aegon's prophecy now that we know at least that portion of it is book canon. Like, you know, a Targaryen must sit the Iron Throne. Like, is that Targaryen Fagon while Danny's off actually fighting the real fight? And there's so many right. things that, that have to play into this. Maybe Danny does sit the throne in the books, but then ends up dying and her reign is super short. I could definitely see that happening. Um, yeah. But I agree with you. I think she will die protecting Westeros, and I think it'll be against the White Walkers. Because I, I do believe that the White Walkers are like the real ultimate climax. of, of Definitely. The it's a song of ice and fire, not, yeah. game, not the Game of Thrones. That's so. right. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, thank you guys for coming in here, hanging out. You know, this is just a fun little yeah, Q&A good. we wanted, wanted to pop on and do, talk some stuff. We don't, you know, just uh, rapid fire, right? Yeah. Do some, of, do some of these theories. So Jim and I have a lot more coming for you guys. We are going to be doing a huge list in the next few weeks of very detailed theories about House of the Dragon, all of the big House of the Dragon theories. I'm going to do that for the next couple of weeks and then piece together this sort of big mega compilation. And then we'll be diving back into Storm of Swords until we get news on wins or any of the other stuff. So absolute fun time as always hanging out with you guys here on YouTube. Thanks you guys hanging on the podcast so much. So awesome. And uh, guys, remember that winter is coming.